Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So we like to have themes every month that we bring the word to you and bring messages. And that's so that we get to spend some quality time focusing in on things that we believe as a church. Uh, God wants to speak through the hearts of every single one of us. And so this month, our theme is on faith. That's a pretty good one, I think, on faith. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about this evening. And if you read the titles, because I've got a title, uh, my title for tonight's message is The Look of Faith. The look of faith, which is kind of really interesting because if you've heard about faith and you've read about faith and you know a little bit about faith, you know that it's normally something you can't see. So there's a challenge right there for you, the look of faith. But that's my title message and hopefully you will see as we go along this journey together. Let me kick off uh, with one of many scriptures that I want us to look at tonight. Uh, the first one, this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, which says, For we live by faith not by sight. That is just awesome. We live by faith, not by sight, which is a very confronting scripture as a human being because I'm pretty sure most of us have got eyes that can see. And so you think, well, I I do live by sight. I, I live and I see the world around me. That's exactly true. But there's living and there's existing. So if you think of this scripture as we live by faith, we exist through our sight, but we live, we really come to life when faith is evident in our lives. That's what this scripture is alluding to. So that might be difficult to comprehend, but let me tell you that you already know how to do that in a sense. Even if it's not directly related to faith, you do know how to apply and to connect to things that you can't actually see. What do I mean by that? Have a listen to this. Very difficult quiz here tonight, isn't it? So anyone want to have a guess as to what that sound is? A cow? Male or female? Just joking. <laughs> it's a cow. Okay, let's try another sound. Okay, guesses on that one? A plane, yes. What type of plane? This is actually quite tragic. I, I chose a different plane sound for tonight, but I listened to one on Friday when I was getting some of these things together. And you know what? This is really nerdifying me even to tell you this. I listened to the sound of the engine and I thought, I know what model plane that is. But I couldn't actually prove it. So I wanted to show you a sound or have you listen to a sound that I could prove. So this one, the recording tells me that was actually a Boeing 747 jumbo jet. That was the sound of that one. So just believe me, that's what the, um, the person who provided that sound said. So playing those sounds, you believed it was a cow. Why? Because you know what a cow looks like and you know what a cow sounds like. So you just exercised faith in a sense, didn't you? You heard a sound and you said, I know what that sound is, but you didn't actually see it. There's no cow up here and no remarks about my physical attire. Thank you very much. And likewise, there was no plane flying through the building, but you applied the unseen to a sound. You had an association there with something that you couldn't yet see, but because of your life experience, you were able to go, I know what that is. Well, that's exactly what God has for us when he's talking about faith and living by sight and not by what we see, but by living by the unseen. We've already got experience in doing it. And I want to encourage all of us, we've got experience in the faith realm just as much as we do in the hearing realm. It's just as powerful as we look at those things. 
Okay, well, let me show you, uh, play you one more sound. So uh, thanks for this one, guys. Now, that's one of those mystery sounds that the radio stations have. And uh, I'd love to offer you $10,000 tonight if you win it. Uh, but you don't get that because, first of all, I don't have the $10,000 to give you. And we don't do competitions. This is a holy place. This is where it's serious stuff, okay? So we don't do things like that. Let me play for you again. Okay, any guesses on that one? Okay. Oh, sliding door? What type of door? Glass door? A van. Spot on. A minivan. Well done. Eat faith, receive $10,000. There you go. <laughs> so, again, that was a harder one, but you're believing the audience participation and you're believing me, yet you've not actually seen it. So why, when God tells us something, shouldn't we believe God? I think he's a lot more reliable than I am. He's a lot more faithful than I am. And you're not going to be able to live by my words, but you can live by God's words. So you've already activated a whole level of faith that perhaps you didn't even think you had within you. Let's look at another scripture. This is Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Now, I don't know what that does to the whole greenhouse stuff if you keep on killing trees and doing things like that. Probably not great news ultimately. But if you have faith as a mustard seed, Jesus is giving us an example of what that is like. And if you've read this scripture before, it sometimes... If you're like me, you just gloss over things if you don't really appreciate the deliberateness and the specificness of what Jesus was talking about, because that was Jesus referring to that particular example there. So we need to always have a greater understanding, I think, on whatever we read in the Bible. So can I encourage you that when you read the Word, if you've just glossed over something, you've probably just missed something. So go back and read it again. And if you don't understand what something is, maybe think, I wonder if that word really means what I think it means. Well, you can get a whole bunch of online tools now and you can go back to find out what the word meant in the original language, whether it's Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, whatever it is, and you can get a greater understanding of that. Now, I'm not suggesting that your Bible reading becomes a three-hour process every time you do it, but be asking God to guide you to really understand and get a whole bunch of stuff that's in there. So I'm talking about the mustard seed here. Now, the mustard seed, I haven't got one, even if I was to show you they are incredibly incredible tiny so just think of a sesame seed and they're about half that size because i appreciate not everyone has probably seen mustard seeds but i'm sure you've all seen sesame seeds on top of bread buns and bread rolls and things like that so a mustard seed is at least half the size of that and probably a little bit smaller again so you kind of get the idea that when jesus says if you've got faith as a mustard seed you can do this but what i want to show you is the potential of that tiny seed so I've got an image to show you because this is a mustard tree. And that, that's people at the bottom of that tree. So that gives you some sort of a scale. So when Jesus says you can have faith as small as a mustard seed, it has the potential to do something like that and way beyond. Now that's the tiny little seed going onto a huge tree. Mustard trees can grow over 30 feet tall. So... When Jesus says you can have faith and it can do these things, then he's saying it can do way more than you could ever possibly imagine. So great, powerful stuff in there. So just like that scripture says, 
We need to accept that. We need to accept that the faith level we have has got incredible power, just like you accepted those sounds that you heard before. It's as real and it's as tangible as that. So we've all got different faith levels. We've got them for different things. And we have different faith levels at different times, unless I'm the only one. But I am pretty think I'm average Mr. Human here. So I can have incredible faith in some areas of my life and not as incredible faith in others. And it can be at different times of the week. Um, I'm somewhat emotional as a human being. I think we all are. And so my faith levels can even uh, fluctuate within the same week. Even without circumstances changing, just emotionally, my human emotions go up and down like that. But the Word of God never changes. And so let me show you this scripture on here, because I understand, and so does Jesus. He understands our wavering faith. So it's a bit to get through, but it's a great passage of scripture so that we see uh, the, the environment, the, the story, the setting of this particular story. So this is Mark chapter 9. And we're looking at verses 17 through to 24. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And that's, I think, one of the most important parts of that scripture, the very last part. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. It's almost like a contradictory statement. How can you say you believe, but then you've also got a level of unbelief? Well, let me tell you where that guy's believing was. He brought his son to Jesus. And we read that he'd previously brought them to the disciples. So he had a level of belief. He, he believed in faith that his son could be healed. He just wasn't quite there yet as to who the healer would be. And even when he comes to Jesus, who obviously didn't have the full revelation that this was the son of God that he was talking to, because he says, if you can. And of course, Jesus is going, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm God. Yes, of course I can. So he still wasn't quite there yet with the who, but he was there with the what. So there's different levels of faith that we are going to have through our lives as well. As I mentioned, I can have different levels of faith and so can you. So I think it's okay. And I notice on here, Jesus didn't chastise this man when he said, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. He chastised the disciples because he wanted them to be a little bit further along on their journey of ministry than they currently were. So he got a little bit ticked off with them, but not this man, because this man is saying, I do believe, but would you help me to get to the final part? So never be ashamed to pray that. I do. I've got some areas in my life right now where I'm saying, God, I know you can do this. In my mind, in my heart, I have no idea how he's going to do it. So therefore, I think that's a lack of faith to see it through. So I believe he can do it. I just don't know how. I don't know when. But I'm pressing in and I'm believing for that. And I don't think I'm uncommon uh, in a room this size with this many people. 
So when it comes to faith, it is also up to us to activate it. That is a very scary thing. You could live the rest of your life and never step out in faith again. That would be a tragedy, I think. But faith is up to us. Just like that man had to choose to come to Jesus, to ask for his son to be healed, and he was healed, by the way. If he hadn't have done that, then the boy would not have been healed. So faith is up to us to activate also. Let me show you an example of something that you are all probably familiar with and wait two seconds and you see why I'm about to do what I'm doing. Good enough. Okay, glass of water, is it half full or half empty? Responses? It's both, isn't it? It's half full and it's half empty. And this is an expression, certainly in our Western um, society, that people are often asked the question, well, are you a, a glass half full person or you're a glass half empty person? What they're really talking about is the default way, the natural way in which you think, your disposition. So when you look at this, do you see the positives of this or do you see the negatives? If you're really, really thirsty and you wanted a huge drink, then you might be a little bit disappointed by looking at this glass because you see it's only half full. It's basically, it's half empty. You're going to say it's half empty. You're not going to say it's half full. You're going to say it's half empty because you are focusing on what it is you're missing out on. You're focusing on what you haven't got. But if you've got the other disposition and you're looking forward to things with an expectation and you are grateful for what is before you, you're going to say, this thing's half full. This is awesome. This is going to help my thirst right there and then. It's exactly the same thing. Nothing has changed about the thing. So when we're praying and believing for things in, in our lives, the thing itself will still be there. But how we pray about it, that's the significance. We get to activate our faith with that. And not only do we get to activate our faith, we get to activate our level of faith. Are we going to say, I'm always there, God? Or are we going to say, oh, I'm so far away, God, I, I just can't do this at all? Can't, I don't see that a lot in the Bible. I don't think it should be our Christian in our Christian vocabulary. Perhaps we can say not yet, but can't means impossible. And the last time I read this in the Bible, it says nothing is impossible for God. And as believers in him, nothing is impossible for us either. It's another faith statement, but God said it, so it's absolutely true. So our faith needs to be activated. And let me show you the final scripture for this um, part of my message. This is Romans 10 and verse 17 which says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, that's an interesting concept, the whole hearing thing. We heard those sounds earlier today. Well, when we read the God, uh, sorry, when we read the word of God, then we hear God speaking through us as well. That might not always be in the audible sense, but really what is hearing? Hearing is receiving a message. If it's the actual ears, it's receiving an audible message, but it still is a message that you receive. So don't get too, um, I suppose, mixed up on the words here. Hearing the word of God means reading it and allowing it to speak to you, to become alive. And it is up to us. If you don't read the word of God, then you won't hear the word of God and he won't be able to speak into your life. So pick up that glass, pick up the Bible and uh, increase your level of faith. Now, I mentioned I got a title. I've also got points. So my apologies. I forgot to tell you that was the end of the first point. And the first point was seeing the unseen. 
And you can probably see why I think it's a relevant way to encapsulate all of that. So that's point one, seeing the unseen. So point number two, looking beyond the seen, as in what you can see, not the scene as in a movie scene. Uh, looking beyond the scene. Another scripture for us. This is Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now I mentioned before about encouraging you to read the Bible and look up words or passages of scripture that you might not be sure about or you want to make sure that you get the full meaning. So let me pull out a couple of things just in this brief verse here. Faith is the substance of things. Substance means it's tangible, it's physical, like this glass of water, like me, like this microphone. So faith is the substance. Faith is an actual thing. And then it says it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, in a court of law, evidence needs to be rigid. Evidence needs to be something tangible. So again, the Bible is saying it's tangible, even though you can't see it, just like those sounds that we heard earlier. Now, for many of you, as I look around, because I know quite a few of you here tonight, if you call yourself a Christian and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, then you have already applied this next scripture, which is John 20, 29. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking to some of the disciples. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. So this is Jesus talking to the disciples when he was walking around as a human being on the earth, face to face with his disciples. But then he goes on to say, blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. So that's all of us, unless I'm amongst amazing people here. And some of you have physically seen Jesus. I don't think so, nor have I. But isn't that great? We believe in a Jesus that we've not seen. And I remember reading this as a, when I first became a Christian. I remember reading that and I thanked God that I was born in this day and age where I didn't see Jesus rather than at a time when I would have perhaps seen him. And a lot of Christians at the time were going, oh, no, 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 wouldn't it have been great to see Jesus? And I go, well, I suppose it would have. But this tells me that I've got a level of faith that isn't reliant on who's in front of me. It's reliant on a God that I haven't yet seen but that I know is real. So this is an awesome scripture, and that's, I think, why Jesus said it also. So we already, we're experts at looking beyond the scene because you've accepted a Jesus that you have never seen before. So we've already got that level of faith. So you might have walked in here thinking you haven't got a lot of faith. You've got a huge amount, an absolute huge amount. And believe you me, saying, I want the proof and then I will believe, well, even Jesus' disciples said, Lord, I'm not going to believe it's you that's just been resurrected unless I can see the holes in your hand and the hole in your side. So he still needed that. And this was one of the disciples that was with Jesus. So even having physical proof doesn't always satisfy some people. All right, let me give you another example where you can have faith beyond what you see. This is Matthew chapter 8 and verses 5 through to 13. Uh, Again, another lengthy part of scripture but again because I want you to understand this part of the story so that you get to see the full impact so picking this up at verse 5 when Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion came to him a soldier asking for help Lord he said my servant lies at home paralyzed suffering terribly Jesus said to him shall I come and heal him the centurion replied Lord I do not deserve you to you to come under my roof But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I told this one, go, and he goes. 
and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And and his servant was healed at that moment. Now, a couple of things I want to show you here. Go at that moment, let it be done just as you believed it would. How did he believe it would be happening? Just by Jesus saying it. So Jesus said, well, you believe that all it took was for me to say it, to be healed. Guess what? That's exactly what's going to happen. So this centurion, he set the level of faith. He set the parameters. He said what his answer was going to be. And he gave across what he expected to have happen. And Jesus says, great, I can work with that. This is kind of like, in my mind, this is like negotiating. So I think you can negotiate with God in a reverent kind of way because the centurion is saying, look, look, Jesus, I believe that if you just say it, then it'll happen. And Jesus agreed. He said, fine, I'm going to do that for you. And then obviously the rest of this passage of scripture was written later in time because it says, at, and his servant was healed at that moment. Okay, so they didn't have Instagram, they didn't get a text message or an instant IM or anything like that. So it took a little while for the news to come back. But I'm sure they said, hey, by the way, what time did it happen? Because when I spoke to Jesus, it was, you know, uh, 6 p.m. When did the healing happen? You're never going to believe it. 6 p.m. And so we went back and we, we, this, uh, we find this whole story. And his servant was healed at that moment. So I think that's pretty cool that you can say to God, here's my faith level. And this is, this is how I think you can do it. And as long as it lines up with scripture and God's kingdom and his principles, Look, look out for great surprises, although they shouldn't really be surprises. Now, faith, another uh, level of faith that you may need from time to time, and I've got an example that I'm going to share with you in just a few moments. Sometimes you're going to need faith when you are really, really scared. So we can see faith for healing. We can have faith for believing for things like jobs and finances. But sometimes you need faith to help with your fear. You need faith to help you through given situations. So I had one of those recently. Uh, Some of you would know that um, Metro Church, we sent a a small team of people uh, over to the nation of Peru uh, about a month or so ago now in partnership with One Nation One Day, which is a global missionaries team. Uh, So I went over there with a small team. Uh, Most of the team went to one part um, of Peru um, and I was part of a different ministry, um, a women's and abuse ministry. So I went to a different part of Peru um, in a city called Iquitos, uh, which is right near the mouth of the Amazon River. So it's quite a remote area. I had to take another plane and internal flight to get to that area um, and had an amazing time over there. But um, on my first week that was there, uh, I met up with some uh, a small team of uh, missionaries that were also from One Nation One Day, four young girls, um, sorry, three young girls. And they said, look, we're going to go out into one of the suburbs uh, this afternoon and we're going to minister to some of these teenage mums because uh, there's a great need uh, for working with these young women. And they said, oh, we're going out on, onto a boat, uh, onto the river. And I kind of knew where we were. Um, and so I immediately realised this is probably not some sort of ocean cruise type of boat uh, that I was going to be going on. And they said, oh, by the way, the, the area that we're going to, um, it's called Belen. They said, it's the, Amazon, it's the Peruvian equivalent of Venice. And they said, do you know Venice? I said, what, in Italy? And they said, yeah. And they said, it's like that. I said, really? I said, Venice is just amazing. They said, well, it's not exactly the same, but we call it the Venice of Peru. 
Let me show you a photo what their version of Venice looks like. There we go. Um, so those are houses that are actually sitting on the water and some of them are up on stilts and some aren't. So this is the slum area um, of Peru, the area that I was in. And they said not only is it that particular area, basically these houses uh, in the slum area sitting on the water, it's also very dangerous. They said... Um, we can't go there by ourselves. So before we go down to the boat, we're going off to a private security company, private police, and we're going to go there and get a couple of guards to come along with us to the trip. I'm thinking, okay, it's interesting. Not what I thought I'd signed up for. So we go to this uh, private police station and the, the guy's there and they're going, no, we don't want to go there. And I'm looking at them thinking, oh, my goodness. And these guys, these are big, burly guys, okay? Like, they don't want to go there. And so this feisty young woman that I was with, who's the team leader, she's only 21 years old. And she goes, no, we're going there. And I knew enough Spanish to know what she was talking about. So she goes to the manager of the station. And the manager comes back and says, no, you two are going out there. So they got their gear. And uh, so then we go off uh, to where the, uh, the boat here is. It was about another 10 or so minutes uh, ride to there. Um, now, I don't have a photo of the actual boat that I went on. You'll understand why. But I've got a photo of an exact replica of the boat that I was on. So here's what the boat looked like. Now, those two guys weren't in it, but I'm not exaggerating. That is the boat. The one I was on was green. It was painted green. I think the green makes all the difference. But uh, that's the boat there. And that's a shop, by the way. That is a shop that people are selling things from. Notice the satellite dish. It is just a weird place to be in where you've got all this uh, poverty and then they've got a satellite dish and I'm assuming a TV inside with Foxtel and who knows what else uh, going on there. Pretty amazing. So anyway, so that's the boat that I went on. So there's me on this boat. There's two security guys, a little bit larger than me. There's the driver of the boat, which I affectionately call the captain of the boat. That's embellishing a little bit, but we've got the captain of the boat. And then there's these three other ladies that I'm talking about. So if you're doing the math right, that's seven people. Seven people in that uh, not seagoing vessel. So we're in there, and I'm like, okay. Now, this is a tributary that runs off the Amazon River. Okay, so the Amazon River is big, and you think anacondas and other sort of piranhas are in there, all sorts of things. So this is not the Amazon, but it's right alongside it, and it runs off the Amazon. So I'm there going, okay. Before we get to this boat, though, I've got to tell you, the girls are like, oh, we're going on a boat trip this afternoon. I'm like, really? I'm oh, so excited. It's going to be fantastic. So they kind of like got my level of excitement going as well until I saw that boat. And even then when they saw that, they said, oh, that's it. Oh, that'll be fun still. Well, we got in it. And of course, every time one of the seven people got in it, the boat rocked a little bit and a bit of water came over the side. Then the next and the next. Uh, so pretty soon these girls were squealing. Not me. Okay. I wasn't squealing. Not verbally anyway. Maybe on the inside. Oh, these girls are squealing all the time. But I'm there going, okay, God, this could end one or two ways. Awesomely or not so awesomely. And I just thought, God, you haven't brought me halfway around the world to drown, fall overboard, get eaten by who knows what's in that river. I'm sure you haven't brought me here just to suffer a terrible fate like that. So God, I'm going to trust and lift my faith in you that this is going to be okay. And that's what I did. And so they're looking at me going, aren't you scared? And I said, not really. I mean, what's to be scared about? I'm either going to die here or I'm not. I'm not going to be able to change it. So that was a great exercise for me 
to exercise a level of faith that I've never had to exercise before through potential great fear and your mind going through all the things that could actually happen. So I exercised that faith and it was uh, an amazing time. We spent several hours that afternoon going around to all these different homes, uh, visiting these young mums. The youngest mum, and this is sad to actually say, the youngest mum was 13 years old with a baby. She gave birth at the age of 13, which means she became pregnant when she was a 12-year-old girl and is still a 13-year-old girl. But these young girls, they're just absolutely so beautiful. And so we got to go around with them, uh, meet with their families. We got to pray with them, invite them to uh, the women's conference that was put on for that whole city that we were in. We had a, a healing conference from abuse uh, that I ran and we got to invite them to that. Um, and there were national rallies and there was a huge citywide rally that was in the city that we were in. And so we got to invite them to all those things as well. So despite the potential scariness, it was a great time of ministry uh, and God really did come through with the level of faith that I needed to apply in that particular situation. Okay, so that's point number two, looking beyond the scene. And you better believe I need to look beyond what I saw with my eyes. Uh, my third point then, my last one for this evening. Now, soon, later. Now, soon, later. Because faith is about now, but more often faith is about soon and faith is definitely about later. So faith can look like nothing that you've ever seen before. So you've all seen cows, you've all seen uh, aeroplanes, uh, you've probably all seen sliding doors on minivans, but sometimes faith requires you to believe for something that you've never yet seen. Noah was told to build a vessel that no one had ever seen before. And he was told to build it for a global catastrophe that no one had ever envisaged could ever possibly happen. That is a huge amount of faith. Now, I've got, um, I'm not going to show you on the screen here, but if you want to take note, this is Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 1 to 11. And there's a whole package of amazing things about faith just here in Hebrews 11. So I'm just going to highlight a few of these for you to help you understand that faith looks like nothing that you've ever seen before. And faith sometimes is about the now, or the soon, or the later. So Hebrews 11, verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. I think that's a pretty good start, don't you? God creating absolutely everything. Verse 4, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. That is a wild story. Read that one at a later time. It's highlighted here in Hebrews, but of course you've got to go back to the Old Testament to read the rest of that. Uh, verse 8, By faith... Abraham, when called to go to a place he, could, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going, and he didn't see what God was going to be giving him. Verse 11, And by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was en enabled to bear children. So faith looks different to everybody. Faith will be different for everybody. But it still requires believing in something that you haven't seen, believing in something that isn't there. It also means standing your ground. Because quite often, faith is not the way that I would like it to be, and probably you as well. Faith is not the right now. I so wish it was so many times. But it isn't. But it does mean staying where you are sometimes, waiting, not moving. And this is the hard part, not trying to force God's hand. Ever tried to plea bargain with God and say, but God, remember, and how about God, if you do this, I'll do that. I can just imagine God shaking his head going, oh, I think I've heard this one before. If you do this, I will do that. I promise God that if, dot, dot, dot. Must be a huge book up there, I reckon, in heaven with all of the I promise if, dot, dot, dots. But um, if you read in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, 
Uh, it, it's an amazing story. It's, a, it's awesome when we read it this side of that story. But it might not have been so exciting for the people before that happened. They were told to go and wait into an upper room. Now, we know the story. It was 10 days. But when they went to wait, they had no idea. They were just told, go and wait. I'm pretty sure some of them said, how long? Just wait. Don't you love those answers? Just wait. When? Soon. Jesus is coming back soon. A lot of people have been waiting for that one also. So they didn't know that it was going to be 10 days. We do on this side of it. They were told you just to go and pray and wait. So let me ask you this question. How's your staying power? How's your stickability? How long are you prepared to wait for something from God without knowing the exact when? Even if you've heard the soon, we know God's idea of soon is a little bit different from ours because God is eternal. So soon for him could be in five billion years. It might be tomorrow. But that's where faith really comes into it. And, you know, we read that there were so many people in that upper room. I've got to wonder how many people were there to start with and didn't wait. I reckon many left after the first hour. I think if I'm being really honest, if I didn't know who Jesus was, this side of it, I don't know if I would have lasted more than an hour. I would have gone, go and wait. Okay, well, dinner's coming on soon. Um, the block's coming on. I've got a whole bunch of stuff I need to get into here. Uh, I don't know how long I want to wait. But into the days, it's like, who's getting takeout, you know? Uber Eats, please. When's the next meal going to be coming? Real challenges. So it's going to require us sticking in there with some whole stick ability. Faith, it can be about the here and now, but sometimes it isn't. When we are focused on the right now, what I do know is we miss out on a whole bunch of other stuff. Because you're meant to be looking ahead in faith. Faith is always about a future thing, not the right now. Let me give an example. Um, I, I wouldn't do the example here because it wouldn't quite work, but I'm sure you've all done this. You've had a cup of coffee. If you've been doing any uh, bartendering or any working in a coffee shop, you grab the coffees and you walk them out to the table. So you're very conscious, particularly when it's a cappuccino, because they're filled right up to the brim. If it's an awesome cappuccino, the foam goes slightly over the top of the cup of the brim with the, um, the cinnamon on top. And so you've got to be really steady when you're bringing out those coffees to whoever's ordered the coffee. And so, of course, the temptation is watch out for the coffee. Don't spill the coffee. Don't spill the coffee. What happens is mostly people will be focusing on the coffee. And that makes sense because that's the thing you're not trying to spill. But the truth is, you don't do that. And I've got some people in the hospitality industry, they're going, yeah, you don't do that. If you focus on that, guess what will happen? You will spill the coffee. The trick is to look at the destination where you are going. Look ahead to where you are going, and that cup will actually steady itself. Because your focus is on where you are going, not on what is right before you. And faith is exactly like that. If you focus down here, you will miss it. If you focus down here, you might even, if I can say this in church, you might even screw it up. But you've got to be focusing on what is ahead. That's the stuff that God has for you. And then you can see where you are going. And then you're not so worried about the path that you're working on. You're looking at where you are heading. There's a great scripture in Jesus where it says his face was like flint as he looked ahead to where he was going. If he'd have looked around at the cross and everything that he was going through, we know that he had some doubts. He expressed, God, do I really have to do this? He did, and praise him that he did. So even he had those doubts, but he knew he needed to look ahead to what it was that was going to be before him. So we need to do that as well so that we don't end up missing the very things that he wants us to focus on. 
And of course, as human beings, we can only look at one thing at a time. Just think about your, your distance, for example. Um, if you are a little bit older in the room, some of you may have experienced the fact that you can no longer read without glasses because your focus is not as good as it used to be. But even if you don't need glasses to read, when you're looking at something up close, if you look up straight away, it will take a brief moment before your eyes refocus again. The best example is pretty much when you're driving a car. You're looking ahead to what's ahead of you, you glance down to the speedo, your eyes will automatically focus, but it does take a few moments. So we can only focus on one thing at a time, and God knows that, which is why he wants us to focus on him and believing for him, not the stuff that is directly before us. And as I wrap up on here, let me give you a couple of final scriptures because I know, like anything, it's... Have you ever met someone who's gone on a great new diet? And now you should too? Because look how awesome this has been. There was this carrot diet about 10 years ago. And like all people... and I knew, We actually had some people in this church. And they got into it big time. Um, and all they ate were carrots. Like nothing else. Just carrots. I'm pretty sure the nutritionist would say that really wasn't great. I kid you not, if this was an orange t-shirt, this is what their skin looked like. Their hands, they were all orange. It was so bizarre. It was so freaky. Um, But of course, they thought it was the greatest thing since, well, not carrots, I suppose. Um, And they really got into it. So when we hear messages like this, and when you have a revelation from God, and when you understand something about him, We do need to be careful that we don't think we're now the champions, we're now the experts, and how come you haven't got it yet? We need to understand that not everybody will be the same awesome spiritual giants that we are on the same days that we are. Probably they're the off days and we're the on days. Let me show you this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Now, in one sense, that's Paul saying, hang on, guys, you should be further along. But he is also acknowledging it. And he's saying, you weren't ready for the next bit, so I didn't give you the next bit. I gave what you were able to have. Now, Paul was a little bit on the harsh side. I don't know that you could really say he had a shepherd's heart or a pastor's heart, so he was a bit firm and direct to the point. But he was soft enough and loving enough to know there's no point in me forcing this down their throats. They're not ready for this yet. So he gave them what they could work with, and obviously it was godly and it helped them. But he also said, here's, here's an encouraging way. You need to go towards here, but he acknowledged that they weren't quite there yet. So when you're talking to somebody about anything godly. If you hear that someone's not quite there the way that you feel you are, let them be. Love them in that. Encourage them if it's appropriate, but otherwise just love them. And how about we let God be God and that he will take them on their journey just as he's taken each of us on our journey also. Another scripture that talks about doing that also, I always like to give more than one. This is Romans chapter 14 and verse 1 which says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. So many people like to major on the minor things, just like let it go. We've had that in churches over the centuries. Let's just focus on the big stuff. Is God real? Yes. Did Jesus come to die for us? Yes, he did. The rest, really, let's just do it as best as we can. So I said that faith is for... for soon, sorry, it's for now, it's for soon, and it's for later. Let me talk about the now. I mentioned before at the beginning of the message that uh, many of us that I know in this building already, 
you've already accepted Jesus. He's already your Lord and your Saviour. But maybe some of you have come in tonight and you wouldn't necessarily say that you are a Christian or I've used the phrase of asking Jesus into your life or into your heart and you're thinking, I don't think I've done that. That doesn't sound familiar to me. Well, then perhaps you've not yet done that. And we're going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to be able to do that. So for you, the whole faith step, your faith step is going to be right now where you get to be able to say yes to Jesus. Because once you say yes to the right now for Jesus, then the next part absolutely applies to you, which is the soon. The soon part is that Jesus will soon be in every part of your life and he is for the rest of us as well. So the soon is for all of us. And then we've got the later. Guess what later is? Later is eternity. And so we all get to be with Jesus later in eternity. But it all starts with the now. So just for the sake of privacy, I'm just going to ask everybody just to please for a moment uh, close your eyes, uh, bow your head if you want to. And that's just to give the rest of you some privacy. All I'm going to do is ask you to raise your hand and then you can put that down. And then if anyone responds to that, that will be your wife saying, I want to say yes to Jesus, then I will ask you to pray a prayer and we'll all pray this with you to encourage you. And that's all that will happen other than the amazing thing that Jesus will come into your heart, you'll receive eternal life and you'll have a faith in him for the rest of your life. So anybody this evening, you've not done that before or maybe you have done that before and you know that you've drifted away from God and you know that if you were to stop living tonight, would you be with Jesus? If you've got those doubts, then this is for you as well. I don't want anybody to leave here tonight without the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, whether this is the first time or whether you've known him and perhaps drifted away. So as a look around, all you need to do, as I said, pop your hand up and we will all pray with you and encourage you in this. And Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for faith and all that you want us to believe about you. I thank you for the words that you've spoken uh, for this message for everybody here tonight and those that will hear it um, as an audio recording at a later time. Lord, uh, build it in each of our hearts, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Now, other than the opportunity to just then to say, yes, it doesn't end, we've got another awesome tool that we want to make sure that you are aware of. Uh, we call it Yes Texting. So we've, got up, we've set up a special mobile phone number, uh, 0488826. 392. All you need to do is type that number into your phone and send a simple text message, the word yes, Y-E-S. Just text the word yes. And what that will mean is that you are telling us that you are saying yes to Jesus. And if you are already a believer, you're welcome to do this as well. Because what happens is that after you text yes to that number, the next day, whenever you do it, if you do it tonight, then as of tomorrow morning, 7am or whatever day you do it at 7am every morning, you will get sent a text message from this church, only from us. We don't give you details to anybody else. You will get a short Bible verse and a sample prayer as to the ways in which you can pray. You don't have to do it word for word, but it's just to encourage you that when you read a scripture like this, this is what it means. And this is the sort of prayer that you can pray to God asking for help in that particular verse. So we will do that for you. It's free. That runs for 30 days. You can opt out anytime if you want to. As I said, we respect your privacy. After those 30 days, if you want to, there are mini-series that you can then opt into and we'll send you links to those and you can opt into those and they run for 10 days and there's a whole bunch of those. So it's all about helping you learn more about God. Um, if you're listening to the recording or even if you're here as well, and if you don't want to do the text version, there's an online version. Head to our website, 
We've got a special page set up. It's yes.metrochurch.org.au. Go to that webpage, click on the submit link. That'll ask you for an email address. And then you get exactly the same thing via email. So that's um, our gift to you. We'd love you to be a part of that.